to share something with you that's been rumbling in my heart ever since Brother Matthew shared something with us on Saturday that really resonated with me. The spiritual implications of it really resonated with me, especially in light of the meeting that we had the night before where the Lord was speaking to us about the need to walk while we have the light, lest the darkness overtake us. And after that meeting, uh, the next day, we had a, a meeting of some of the brothers, and Brother Matthew shared with us something uh, that he had heard about the situation with Brother George, who you all know, I believe, Brother George is in the hospital. Um, he contracted COVID-19 a while back and has been fighting the respiratory complications of that ever since. And things have been looking pretty dismal for quite some time there. Um, and the report we were hearing was that they had him on heavy doses of oxygen. He was having to lay completely still because any motion was draining his resources to the point where his ox blood oxygen levels would, would dip. Brother Matt told us that, that Brother Jake had called him. It's Brother George's son, for those who don't know. Brother Jake had called him from Montana and said, well, the doctor talked to me today, and he said, Jake, you need to understand something. Maintenance is no longer an option for your dad. If all we do is maintain, he's going to die. Maintenance is not ultimately an option. We say, well, things aren't getting worse. Well, I'm holding my own. Well, I kind of recovered from that setback. I had heard before that you can't stay on oxygen forever, that it's actually bad for you. It's bad for your body to be on oxygen, and, and I wasn't sure if I understood that correctly. Uh, I thought there must be something ultimately corrosive about pure oxygen or something, and so I asked Sister Amanda about it, and she began to explain to me uh, that there's nothing wrong with the oxygen. Obviously, we need oxygen to live. And when somebody's body is incapable of, of absorbing for themselves the oxygen that they need, then concentrating it and helping to force it into place can be a lifeline. Amen. But she said the problem is, and you can correct me if I get any of this wrong in a, in a way that matters to what we're talking about, but the problem is not that oxygen is bad for you, like, you know, too much of a good thing will kill you or something. The problem is that it does not provide an essential part of breathing. Breathing is a give and take. It is a back and forth. It is an absorption of oxygen that feeds us and, and sustains us, and it is a, a riddance of toxins that our bodies cannot abide with. So just providing oxygen does not rid the body of the rising levels of toxins that will kill you. Are you drawing the parallels? There's only so much ground that can be gained by applying pressure from the outside before the volition and the will to live has got to engage from the inside. 
And she began to explain to me, um, I hope it's all right, can I tell about your test and what happened there? How can she say no when I ask that question in front of you all, right? But she was telling me that uh, when she was taking her paramedic courses, she came up against one of the crucial tests along the way, and to her horror, she failed it. And she'd studied really hard for it and so forth. And of course, you know, paramedicine is all about preserving life, saving life in an emergency, overcoming the enemies that rise up against us. And, but she's, she'd studied really hard for the test and she failed it and she found out later that she'd gotten all the tests right except for one thing. But that one thing was so important that they fail you if you don't get it right. So important to understand. And it had to do with what's called capno readings. I'm going to sound educated, but I don't know why it's called that. But it's called capno readings, and what that is is the reading of what's happening when you exhale. Are you getting rid of carbon dioxide on the, at the level that you need to? And the question was, if the capno readings start to look terrible, what do you do? And she answered, well, you increase the oxygen, and that's wrong. You back off on the oxygen. Because when those capno readings go up, it says that the body is giving up. It's no longer participating on the most basic level that's needed to live. And for you to just force more supplementary external pressure is to push that person into eternity. Amen. And so the problem with administering oxygen, it, it, it's very much needed at times. It's a life-saving measure. People love it. The patients love it because it helps them to feel immediately better. The physicians love it because... It helps the patient to feel immediately better. The charts go up as soon as you bring in oxygen when somebody's struggling. But the problem with it is that it's deceptive. It is deceptive both to the patient who doesn't realize what shape they're actually in, and it's deceptive to the caregiver. Amen. And she told me that the big danger is you can artificially get somebody up to the point where the numbers are looking okay and be unaware that there is a rising problem in their system that is going to precipitously cause a precipitous decline in their uh, well-being. It's going to look okay. We're going to mask it over for long enough and then... Amen? You know that the word... Spirit and the word breath are one and the same in Hebrew and in Greek. We see reflections of that in, in um, our own language. Respiration, you see the root in that? It's all connected. I was reading how Paul says in Ephesians 3, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father of us all, that he would grant to you that you would be strengthened with power by His Spirit in your inner being. 
it has got to come inside of us. And that can only effectively happen as we participate in the process. Paul said later, in well, not later, in, in 2 Corinthians, he says, For this reason, we do not lose heart. Amen? For this reason, we don't lose our will to live. Outwardly, we're fading away, but inwardly, we are being renewed every day. If that's not coming from the inside, we can pump it up. Amen? We can provide emergency rescue measures to pull you back from the brink when your vital signs go bad. But that's not the goal, and it wouldn't even be love in the end. Thank you, Jesus. Those of you who, who've ever hatched chickens, you may have experienced, as I have, the truth that was told to me, but it's so tempting to ignore that when a chick is trying to hatch and it starts pecking out of that thing, the shell, and then it gives up, it's still alive, but it stopped pecking. It broke open a little hole, but not enough to get out. And you think, uh-oh, we're on a time frame. It's got to be born, and it does, because as soon as it cracks that hole open, the shell starts to dry out and toughen into leather to where it no longer will have the resilience to just crack all the way open. It becomes, you know, limp and flaccid and, and, and no longer cracks when effort is applied. It just kind of gives and then goes back to its shape that's preventing birth. So we are on a time frame, and you say, it's got to be born. I'll just help it. I'll just, I'll just tear off a little. I'll just crack it open and get him out. I mean, he, he looks good. It doesn't work. It does not work. There is something essential to the life ahead of that chick in the struggle to be born. The struggle creates the vibrancy that will preserve the life of that chick and cause it to fulfill its destiny. And so we take that away when we imagine that, that we can just apply enough external pressure to make this happen. You can sometimes get away with peeling off a little piece to, come on, you know, you can do it. But ultimately, if there isn't something in the inner man that is being strengthened with power to do this, it's a dead-end course. Maintenance is not an option. Well, his heart's still beating. Where are we going? If we don't start to see an improvement a spark igniting, then we're going to lose it. Lose the ground, whatever ground we gained, we're going to lose. They found out that uh, the ventilators weren't what they were cracked up to be in the COVID uh, crisis. It was, we need more ventilators. We've got to manufacture more ventilators. Amen. Because it seemed like 
well, you can keep people alive a little bit longer. But they actually don't, don't, they're not quick to put people on ventilators anymore. It turned out that the wisdom of man wasn't uh, what it was cracked up to be. And um, the reason is just what we're talking about. The ventilator is a machine that breathes for you. And my wife was telling me, in order to even be on a ventilator, you've got to be sedated. You've got to just be oblivious, you know. And so you are, in order to put somebody on that maintenance machine, you've got to kill that very thing that would actually cause them to recover, which is their consciousness, their awareness of what is happening, their awareness of the struggle that we're in and the battle that we're in and that we got to, this has got to change. We don't need more ventilators. What is the church? If we say, well, we've got this one on the ventilator. His heart's still beating, you know. The monitors still look okay. He's not doing anything. He can't move a muscle or he declines. So he's not helping do anything. But we got him on a machine, okay. That's good. At least we hadn't lost him. How about this one over here? Well, we better get him on a ventilator too. We need more ventilators. Then we have a whole COVID ward. Praise God, we haven't lost anybody. That's not what the church is supposed to be. That's not the beacon, is it? That's the church that's just going around the mountain and saying, well, we hadn't died yet. So God, help us in our innermost man. God, give us the conviction to participate in this process and the conviction that those we're trying to help have got to participate in this process, just as the Lord has already been speaking to us this morning. It's not enough to come and be fed the, the pure milk of the Word of God. It's not enough to come and feel from, the, from outside you. <sighs> Amen. The wind of the Spirit's blowing through this place again. It feels better this morning. Amen. Praise God for that. <laughs> and, and I'm not telling you that we're going to cease to administer oxygen when we need it. <laughs> we're going to still do our best at our purpose, which is to preserve life. But we're going to do it knowing that life is for a purpose. It's not just to exist. It is to be the beacon. Amen. It's to be able to help somebody else. How are you supposed to help somebody else if you are going around your mountain yourself? How do we bring our kids into the kingdom if we don't have any unction to get there ourselves? I think of the exhaling and the toxin ridding as the responsibility to cleanse our own souls. Amen. You say, well, that's supposed to be what the blood of Jesus does. He cleanses us from every sin. If you walk in the light, he does. Amen. When, when we say, you know, well, I'm breathing. I'm keeping myself alive. Are you keeping yourself alive? Well, yes and no. Because if you stop breathing, participating, then you're going to die. Amen. But it is your maker's design that's keeping you alive. I mean, breathing doesn't do anything for you if there's no oxygen in the atmosphere. Right? If the, if the system isn't designed by the Creator who knows exactly what... He's provided everything that we need for life and godliness is what I'm saying. And part of what we need is to participate. And so He's designed our system where we've got to do it. We've got to stay awake. We've got to stay conscious.
We've got to stay active in what's going on. I thought about how Paul describes repentance. Um, and when he has rebuked the Corinthian church, you remember when he comes back and talks to him again in the second epistle, he says, I thank God I was sorry that I made you sorry. Nobody likes to do that. Nobody likes to exert that kind of pressure. Amen. Because it's uncomfortable. He says, I, I was sorry, but I'm no longer sorry because I see what it produced in you. And he said, for, for observe this, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. And he differentiates between two kinds of sorrow there. One that he calls worldly sorrow that leads to death. Amen. You can acknowledge that you've got problems. You can hate the fact that you've got problems. You can wish that you didn't have them. You can tell other people that you're sorry that your problem has inconvenienced them, and you can even mean it. You're sorry. And we think that that is repentance sometimes. We think that, the, the, oh, I feel bad. I feel terrible. Okay, so, well, you're, you must be really sick because sick people feel terrible. Is that the solution to your problem, that you feel terrible? No. I feel so bad about this whole thing. What are you going to do about it? What does that sorrow produce in your life? Because the sorrow that just says, this is awful, this is the worst thing I've ever gone through, and I hate this, and I wish it wasn't happening, and blah, 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 is a dead-end course. It leads to death. But there's a different kind of sorrow. There's a sorrow that says, oh, God, something is wrong. I have got to do something about this. So he says, there is a godly sorrow that leads to salvation. It leads to repentance that leads to life. And then he says, for behold, that you sorrowed in a godly manner, for look what it produced in you. And the first thing he says, you remember what it is? Behold what diligence it produced in you. What diligence, what clearing of yourself. God, I've got to get this out. I've got to get this off my chest. I've got to get this out in the light. I've got to face it for what it is. These toxins are building up and they're killing me. Oh, God. What zeal it produced in you. What fear. That means the fear of God. That means honor and reverence and awareness that there's something bigger than you going on that you've been invited to participate in. What vehement desire, it says in one translation. What passion. Is that the fruit in your repentance? What happens when God deals with you? Shines his light in your, in your life. Is it just 
Thank you. I got a little oxygen. Appreciate that. Or is it, I'm going to come back with something that's going to move us forward. Amen? Because I care about this. This is my battle. This is my fight. This is my soul. This is my God. This is my people. This is my church. This is my calling. He says, Paul says, in every way, you have proved yourself clear in this matter. How do we know if it's real? Well, by what kind of signs of life we see in you. Not just what the meters are doing when external pressure is applied, but what's happening when we, when we back off. Thank you, Jesus. Did you see that surge? Amen. It's going to work. Amen. We're no, this is not a dead end. There's a spark of life there. We got a report just a couple of days ago. Uh, they said that they've been slackening the machines on Brother George. Amen. And we got a report a couple of days ago. Brother George asked that we would pray that he would find the strength to stand up on his feet and breathe on his own. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's where we've got to get, brothers and sisters. That's where we've got to get. Paul, uh, Bob Dylan said one time, he who is not busy being born is busy dying. Thank you, Jesus. We've got to participate in this. Amen. Whether we've never taken one breath and we've been tied to the umbilical cord for nine months, amen, there's a time for that. There's a season for that. Amen. Where you're completely supported by this incredible thing called the body. And it feeds you. It takes care of the exchange. It cleanses and purifies and does all that for you. Thank you, Jesus. But there comes a time appointed by the Father when it's not going to be enough. Amen. When maintenance is no longer an option. Something's got to come inside of you. Amen. And when that baby can come into the world, we can change the environment. Amen. We can blow in its face. We can put it on a ventilator. Amen. But something's got to come inside of it. There's got to be a spark from the inside that is planted there by our Creator that says, this is going to be mine. Amen. This is my life. This is my destiny. This is my calling. Amen. And I'm going to breathe. So we look that child in the face and we say, breathe, baby. Breathe. We know there's nothing really we can do. All we can do is pray and speak to it and talk to it. Amen. But something's got to ignite inside. And it's the divine inside of us. Amen. And if you don't get a hold of it for yourself, it's not going to happen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And you don't have much time. Amen. When the time comes, and here you come out into the world. It's a place that's designed to bring you life. It's designed to bring you fulfillment, happiness, and joy. But if you will not avail yourself of what it takes, amen, it's a place of death. Amen. God, help us to be born. Amen. And you say, well, I've been born already. Maybe so. I've already breathed for a while. You're going to stop? Amen. What's going on? Are your lungs filling up with garbage? Amen. Your capacity is getting shallower and shallower. Your spiritual man is withering at the core. Amen. What's happening? Oh, I don't know. I didn't do anything. Yeah, that's the problem. All you did was maintain, you thought. Amen. And it doesn't work. 
It does not work. We've got to be moving forward, it says, about the Holy Spirit. It's described in the Bible as the rest and the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's described in Titus. We're not saved by works of righteousness that we've done, but by His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So whether you've never breathed before or whether you've lost your capacity and your lungs are getting shallow, amen, it's time to say, pray for me, brothers, that I can stand on my own feet and breathe on my own. Amen. How much effort are you willing to give to press out the poisons that are inside of you? Amen. Is this a give and take or not? We want God to do it. We want Him to come inside, but we got to make room. Amen. You haven't exhaled enough sometimes. Amen. How much pressure are you willing to exert to get rid of the pride, to get rid of the fear? to get rid of the bitterness and the unforgiveness, whatever it is, how much pressure are you willing to exert to push it out? Amen. To push it out if you would push it out. Just like when you exhale, you're creating room for that sweet breath to come inside. God wants to give you his life. Amen. But we got to participate. We got to freely lay down the things that hold us back, the things that prevent us. Amen. God, let help us express.